Welcome to another episode at the Be Guided and Be Great podcast, where being intuitive is understood and being sensitive is a good thing. I'm your host, Kate St. Clair. Welcome to number five in our You Are Intuitive series. Uh, This one is called, well, it's called Three Tips to Trust Your Guidance. And I think I could get really lost in storytelling and um, metaphor and things like that. But for the sake of time and for the sake of simplicity of that, which is pretty damn complex, I'm going to try to keep it as short and as tight as I can. Um, Yes, a couple of stories to illustrate points, but um, in the end, I want to give you three tips to really start organizing your intuition so that you can develop trust around it. And if you already have trust, uh, this can be what I consider more of just a refinement. So it's not necessarily the more open and the more knowledge you have that's helpful, but rather the way you get intuition and to refine it into very tight Uh, categories, accurate categories, so that there's immediate trust for what you are being, for the guidance that you receive, you know, whether that's through clairvoyance or whether you hear your guidance through clairaudience or whether you just know, you know, you know, which is claircognizance, that quick download. Um, So either way, these three tips can just help refine your incredible intuition as it is even today. So as we've talked about in earlier podcasts, you're already intuitive. It's just that because we, the majority, I realize there's one or two of you (laughs) that actually got great training, great psychic training. I mean, there's got to be some people that have had that, but most of us do not have that training. And most of us didn't have parents that, uh, you know, you're being a little intuitive kid and your parents reassuringly looking you in the eye and telling you exactly what you're, you know, validating the intuitive experiences you're having. Um, so we just file things under the incorrect, improper category in our minds. And so A lot of the work that I do, uh, just for an example, I started working with a new student and I already knew she was very mediumistic, very gifted psychically. And at our, you know, when I personally train you, I teach you this, you know, it was my three part sweep that I talked about last week. And so as I was preparing to have her start doing that three part with me, um, there's always some anxiety because I can see it with a lot of students where we get in our own way and just that sort of performance anxiety just shuts us down. That wanting to be right can shut us down and us is in our gift and our ability to talk and it's just overwhelming. So I'm, I'm always prepared for that. The first second sessions I have with new students and this particular student has known me a long time personally. Um, she's been a client of mine and because it's just a certain time in her life, she's just ready to get trained with her own intuition and her own gift. And so I was preparing for it to be a little bit rocky the first 10 minutes. Cause again, uh, I, I relate to her cause she can be a perfectionist in life and, and so can I. So I really understand the way we get into, we get in the way of our own intuition And because she trusts me, 
I just gave her some, you know, a few guidelines and she just jumped right in there and she brought, you know, she, the things she was saying, the things she was seeing was all evidential psychic medium work. And on the other side, um, I had her switch spots with me and I said, you know, what do you think about what you just did? And she just confessed, like she was in complete shock because as she was reading for me, I was telling her, okay, how did, how are you getting this information? And she'd have to, you know, you have to take a moment like, God, I don't know how I got this information. And so I really work with people to, to slow down their intuition so much that they're realizing, oh, I'm seeing this. I'm having an, a clairvoyant image. Um, I'm hearing this. And so where is that where's that coming from? Who am I hearing it from? And then we sense out to see, okay, well, that's where the birth guide is standing, or that's where my loved ones on the other side are standing in real time. So she made a joke and she's like, uh, God, I just, I always felt like I was making this stuff up, which statistically I hear that probably 90% of the time, about 90% of the time we feel like it feels like intuition is all made up wishful thinking sort of, um, this particular student has a father on the other side. And so meaning for over 10 years, she's actively speaking to the other side because she's longing to get connection and guidance from her father. So and when I say, I mean, sometimes we have to have a catalyst, a reason why to use our medium gifts. And if everybody you love is alive, you really don't have a need to. So a lot of people come to this work through the loss of their child, I think is the, by far the fastest catalyst to wanting to understand this medium aspect of being human. That makes perfect sense. And sometimes when people love, you know, lose their parents or a loved one, or, you know, there's just different catalysts for us. It, it, meaning there's, it's, we all have a different time and a different reason to have to come to this work. I, I do feel like, you know, it's part of everybody's life and it's not everybody's job to do this work, obviously, but this ability or this calling or this time and space to understand this part of our humanity, the spiritual part, that story is very unique for everybody. But the, I'm making it up. I hear oh, at least 90% of my clients and students say that about their own work or their own guidance. So, um, another one I hear is, well, I think I'm hearing what I want to say. So like if the student was to ask her father, you know, is my son going to be okay? Are we at college? She would hear a yes. But of course that sounds like your own thinking voice. So the way I, even myself and the way I train others is once you start using your intuition on other people and start tracking it, and start slowing it down to which clair you're using, that creates the evidence that can build trust for your guidance. Uh, if you are with a friend and they're telling you, uh, you know, about something that they think might happen, just kind of go ahead and privately ask, like, is this going to work out for this person or not? Yes or no. And maybe go home and journal that, take a note because you're, you're collecting evidence of your own intuitive gift. And then you can, did I hear a yes or no? Did I just have a feeling, which is clairsentience? Did I see a, like a no, yes or no written, written on a wall or, cause that'd be clairvoyance. 
that's how you track how you naturally, um, which Claire, you naturally use through your everyday life, just having lunch with a friend or you're talking to a kid's teacher or you're talking to your spouse and maybe something they're saying doesn't feel exactly right. And so you ask that questions, you know, is this truthful or not? And you ask guides and you, um, you ask your higher self and you certainly can ask God and, and just track how the answers come to us. Um, Another one is that that fear voice can be the loudest voice in the room. And even after doing this work professionally for over 15 years, depending on the severity of my fear, um, that fear voice can be loud. And so I'll give you, one of my tips is how to overcome that, you know, your thinking voice and your fear voice. And I had another, uh, I have, she's still working with me. I have another client another student that is so damn claircognizant, meaning she, she just downloads as fast as lightning. So she really thinks she's thinking it because she's also very intelligent. And a lot of claircognizant people are intelligent. So those two things do kind of go hand in hand anyway. Um, but she would tell me these stories because I was trying to dig deeper and get her to remember all of the ways, even bef certainly before we were working together, this gift has been there for her and, and this wonderful story of, of being on the train and by the end of a train ride, she just knew it was time for a divorce. Um, it played out in images. It played out in just knowing. And by the end of that trip, she was certain. And then when she brought this information to her husband, he too was certain it was the right thing to do. So that got filed under fantasy for her. Um, she would tell herself she has grand fantasies. And I refiled that under grand claircognizant. <laughs> grand and talented, intuitive badass. Uh, because this, this woman's got some incredible intuitive gifts. So nice for her to finally know that about herself, right? Um, because again, when we think it's a fantasy, we don't take it as seriously as guidance. Uh, had Let's just pretend she got on that train with the intention, okay, time and space to talk to my guide. I'm bothered by this marriage. What the hell do I do? And from that point of view, she allowed the fantasies and she allowed the images and she allowed the, the, the downloads to just come, you know it's time for this to come to an end. It's time for her to move on. Uh, she had gotten off that train with a different eye for what she was about to face. And perhaps 10 years later, it wouldn't be, you know, 10 plus years later or whatever, it wouldn't be as sorrowful had she known it wasn't just a fantasy that she knew she needed to divorce, but rather this was guidance. This was a spiritual direction that was that was her soul was prepared for that. It was in her contract. Then it was in his contract. And you can see how we can just really release the guilt and the shame when we know this chapter in our life perhaps is naturally just come to an end and it doesn't have to be anyone's fault. Uh, there was some fault for sure. <laughs> That's just my protective nature of her. But um, 
It doesn't have to be. And and then so the story that we tell ourselves decades later can look very differently when we are just certain that what we have to do over the course of our lifetime was the way that it must have been. It must be. And that builds confidence for the next time we have a bridge to cross. And if you tell yourself, well, I'm just kind of making shit up. Or if you tell yourself, this is the guidance I got, man, you know, and, and because we have free will, however, guidance, not to get me off on a tangent, but guidance is there to direct us to ourselves. So, you know, we don't follow guidance to appease some guide or somebody outside of us that that birth guide is there to remind us of who we wanted to be while here who we have come to be um and i know for a lot of us sensitives that can be whatever other people want us to be this is this is our single line you know this is how we get through this life and build on decisions that create the life we wanted rather than get lost into the ditch uh, and create a life other people wanted us to have. Okay, I won't, I could totally get carried away on that point, but I won't. So before I give you the three tips to really refine your intuition, I want to talk about the two major culprits between just receiving guidance and being totally blocked. So the first, I'm just, I'll just put them both on the table. So the, the biggest culprits of that gets between you and your intuition is beliefs and patterns. So the, the, I I've, I'm at a point in my life where I always say beliefs are a luxury because when you work with the spirit world, what the hell do you know? You know what I mean? Because when it comes to guidance, what could be right for me isn't right for you. And so when we have these generalized belief systems as a society, they can lead us, they could guide us into the exact opposite situation that we are required to go through. Um, so, you know, we can have, we have belief systems and some of it is our moral fiber. You know, some of, uh, some people don't want to get divorced, even though they have to, some people don't want to, get sick and have to go through treatments they don't believe in, but it's life saving or, you know, um, it, it just really depends on your, your beliefs sometimes have nothing to do with reality. I, I guess is a weird way to, to try to confront that. Um, you know, I was certainly raised with a belief system and, <laughs> you know, my entire adult life was like reality, just doing nothing but confronting my own belief systems. And when I had that skin cancer scare in 2010, I was in such resistance to reality because of my belief systems. I was in fact a psychic medium, but I wanted to, I believed I shouldn't have to do that for a living. I, I wanted just to be normal and do normal things. And I tried that, you know, I was a real estate agent. I was in marketing in Seattle. I, I had done all these other things to try to run away from the very thing that I was because I believed I wasn't, I wasn't. <laughs> so when I, when I say beliefs are a luxury, when you walk the path of guidance, you are in a space of suspending belief because every moment requires a curiosity of what is true for you or your client. If you do this professionally or your children, if you're a parent or your spouse or your lover or whatever, uh, that question 
has to be answered in the moment because the belief system you might hold over another person may be absolutely in um, going against what is actually right and true for them. So I've just personally, I've become a little bit intolerant to people that are hardcore on my belief, my belief, my belief. Cause again, especially with the dawn of social media where people have so many beliefs that have jack shit to do with reality. Mm, that's sort of proves the point. My guides told me during my skin cancer scare in 2010, it's like your beliefs, my beliefs didn't matter because I, I was a psychic medium and this is what I was called to do. This is what I agreed to do on a spiritual level. This is what God wants me to do. This is, you know, I agreed to it before I came into life. So my belief system that my life should look different. God didn't matter. God didn't, it didn't matter. My guides, it didn't matter. This is what I needed to do. And so I had to overcome like six months of belief systems that were just being torn down, torn down, torn down because reality and goodness and peace was in a different direction than I believed they should be. Um, you know, you hear parents, I, I have cousins that are like, my kid's going to do this or my kid's going to do that. And, and and maybe that's a prayer and that's a hope. And I think all of us have that for our children. Certainly, I certainly do. And yet when I say we have to have an act of curiosity, uh, whether I believe my children should be this or that, it's not really up to me. They will be what they're called to be. And I, as a parent, have to be in that space base of witness and celebration for, for whom they become as their life unfolds. We get into a lot of trouble when there's a lot of resentment when we do things that other people think we should. And that's how we sensitives get lost in our lives because we can feel people's belief systems upon us. And whether you're conscious of it or not, you do try to live up to other people's belief systems because you don't want to let them down. You don't want to be judged. You know, there's all kinds of reasons I could go down a rabbit hole on that one, but I won't. So beliefs, belief systems then create patterns. So in, in the pattern can lie where we file things in memory. So when I was a teenager, I had a, a boyfriend, an older boyfriend. I had many boyfriends tell me I was too sensitive and probably my family made fun of me for that too. <laughs> so the, the pattern was that I filed that, that cue away under bad or stop it, or this is a problem. Um, I need to stop being so sensitive because it was such a bad thing where recovering my intuition and confronting who, what, who I am in reality during my skin cancer scare is, oh, hell yeah, I'm sensitive. You're damn right I am. And I've created, you know, I'm not a child anymore. So <laughs> over the years, I've actually, because of my sensitivity, I've created one of the most incredible lives that I couldn't even fathom in the moments where they were using my sensitivity as a weapon against me. 
So, I mean, hell yeah, I was too sensitive for those guys. And thank God I was because I didn't marry them. So when we're talking about refinement and we're confronting belief systems and we're confronting patterns, the belief systems create the pattern. And like I said, so if you were called a name or you were told you're wrong or you were told you had a chip on your shoulder, or if somebody's like, you're out in the clouds or you're really spacey or you're not grounded or, you know, this culture uses language like that as instead of being attacks or taking that, the pattern can be you're offended now. So you shut down or you want to run away or you want to stop being who you are. Just maybe if, if you see those, let it be a cue that you, you actually are. Maybe your head's in the clouds because you're not in your body. So maybe you just need a little bit of, not, not because you're bad, but because you're a multidimensional being. And so maybe you need to do some grounding meditation so you can keep your head in the clouds, but be, be grounded and bring whatever, wherever you're at into the third dimension, into your body. So you feel nice and safe and here and now. And if somebody says you're too sensitive, learn to say thank you. Let's just, I'm just want to like, hold your hand. Let's retweak that right now. Hell yeah, you're too sensitive. And the two part, I doubt, but the sensitive part, hell yeah, you are. And that I assure you would be one of the things I would just adore most about you. We need more sensitive people on this planet, not less. And I'm not talking about your feelings get hurt at the drop of a bucket. That is not the sensitivity we're talking about. We are talking about people can't bullshit you. People can't lie to you. People cannot mm, patronize you. You're tuned into that. You're sensitive to the manipulative energies that are out there and you will not be somebody's fool anymore. And when I think about the times people said that to me, it was because I was sensitive to whatever bullshit was going on at the time. And instead of um, being honest, the they lashed out at me for being sensitive to that. <laughs> so my sensitivity is just one of the most luckiest things people that are in my life get to, get to enjoy about me. So we, we want to confront and whether that be on paper, we not to get into a long teaching on this, but just, I could do a long teaching about it, but I, I just want to touch on it with you in this podcast. And then I'm going to get to the three tips and then we'll wrap up, but confronting beliefs can be on paper and there's plenty of opportunities to confront our beliefs, you know, everybody should do this or people should do that. Or, and, and I come from a long line of people that shoulded everybody. Oh, that person should do this or that person should. Meanwhile, they didn't do a damn thing they should have done. So that whole should thing can come from people that don't even show up in the shoulds in their own life. Okay. So we can confront belief systems on paper. You know, we write out whatever belief system, like I don't, I don't, believe I am psychic or sensitive. And then to confront that would look like, okay, I am question mark. And then we would try to write down evidence of all the ways you'd be sensitive. You know, did you have a predictive experience? Did you just know this thing was or wasn't going to work out for your brother? Or, um, are you really very in tune with what your kids are going to do? And so, there's a lot of safety there for everybody because you're tuned into that. And 
you open a dialogue so that children can make good decisions in their lives. Um, there's just so many ways you want to gather evidence, perhaps to the contrary, or maybe a, a more difficult conversation would be, you know, moms shouldn't act like that. Or you have a belief system that a mom should be loving and protective and caring. And what if your mom was not like that? So your belief systems, your constant, you just constantly beat yourself up because your mother does not fall into the category of whatever you believed she should be. So to confront that would look like I, I need a mother that's protective and nurturing and what have you, but you didn't have that. So you'd question that this would be like a Byron Katie. Um, she does this thing called the work and she does these four questions in a turnaround. And trust me, I did that work for years, <laughs> but it's where I could put my own belief system on paper where perhaps I wanted a mother like that, but perhaps the reality was I got the exact mother that I needed to be who I am right here, right now in this moment with you. And if this is what I was supposed to do with my life, is that not the perfect situation? No matter what the culture told me, I believed I should have had, do you know what I mean? Like we have what we're supposed to have and we believe people should be what they're not. And so we confront that because we can't change reality, but we can refine our belief systems. And then once we confront the belief systems, we can confront the pattern that we automatically go into the defensiveness, the, Oh, you think I'm too sensitive. I must be broken and I'm a piece of shit or whatever sort of awful pattern of thought we would go into. I would certainly go into 20 plus years ago. So because your guidance is in real time, it does not give a crap what you thought about 10 years ago. It cares about who you really are, who you have come to be. And sometimes we are too scared to be that. And so we go into weird patterning to sabotage the forward momentum of having a grand, happy life. And it's not in the biggest like materialistic way. It is the simplicity of a life that is grand because you show up as who the hell you were supposed to be, that you wanted to be, that you are to be. It's the mask is off, if you know what I mean. You come unapologetically. And if we have contrary belief systems and bullshit patterns, we cannot live in that alignment with guidance in the moment. So I kind of got carried away there. But with that being said, let's talk about three tips that you can do to deepen and enhance, refine and trust your intuition. Okay, tip number one, and this one is the biggest, and this one is the best, and this one can take practice. So I'm going to say it with the acknowledgement that that's easier said than done, but number one tip is to develop a relationship with your birth guide. Okay, the birth guide is the one being that holds the contract of your life, the one that you created, the one that you created 
where you agreed to be a mom or a dad or a sister or um, your profession. You agreed to do this or that. It, it holds all the fine details. And that birth guide is the one guide that takes you back to yourself, leads you back to yourself, onto your path every single moment. Um, we develop a relationship with the birth guide so that when we are scared or we are confused, we already have a working relationship with this being, with this guide. So we trust them and we hear them because we already know what their voice sounds like. Um, to this day, if I get a little too, if my fear is amped up, I will have my guide stand in front of me. I will look at her clairvoyantly right? Clairsentiently in front of me. I'm sensing she's standing in front of me. Step two, clairvoyantly. I will look at her, not with my eyes, but with my clairvoyance. She's okay. I'm looking at her hair. I'm looking at her clothes and I can't necessarily hear her when I'm really afraid. So I will, I will ask her to shake her head. Yes or no. You know, I, do I book this flight? Yes or no. Um, is my child in danger? Yes or no. Uh, is this really happening? Yes or no? Or am I just, I'm all freaked out and I don't need to be. So integrating daily guidance with the birth guide looks, you're just kind of in, you just know, you know, eyes on, you're sensing your guide is with you and you go through the day. So if a question comes up, you can clairaudiently hear an answer if you're clairaudient. And if you're not, you could be with some practice. Um, or you could have the guides stand in front of you and look at them clairvoyantly. And some guides do communicate with images. And I feel really bad for my students that have a guide that speaks in images. <laughs> because once they start giving me images, I'm like, what does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? You know, I, I see all these pictures download in my brain and it doesn't mean I know exactly what the hell they mean. So <laughs> lots of compassion for people that have clairvoyant guides. But um, the, I think we have an instinct to ask people, what should we do? What do you think? A lot of us are wired that way. Some people have no interest in doing that, but when you're a sensitive and you have an impulse or a pattern or an instinct to ask others what they think about a decision you have to make, for me, I would ask people that had no business even ask, I shouldn't have even asked them what they want for dinner, let alone my major life decisions. Okay. So when we develop the skill to ask that birth guide, and it can take time to create a relationship, and then it takes time to trust the relationship, like any relationship, they are a being. Um, and I, I was just really aware if my guide said go left, I'd go right because I, I was also very rebellious and don't like authority and yada, yada. So I had, she humbled me several times. She, she kicked my butt a few times. <laughs> and I'm to the point where if she says jump, I say how high because I trust her that much. And she's asked me to do some incredibly unbearable things that turn out always to be the most healthiest thing I could have ever done that I would have never done if not for her guidance and her surety and things can change. So she'll also let me know if I had to execute 
a boundary with somebody and that person has changed or grown enough that it's safe enough for them to come back into my life or because I'm not interested in having relationships that tear up my sensitivity or my sense of balance or my ability to work and or be a mother and what have you. So she'll let me know if, okay, go ahead and reach out to this person or, okay, for three months, go ahead and block this person or, so that guidance can change whatever they say today doesn't mean it's true tomorrow. So we really want to ground into a relationship with the birth guide is the biggest refinement we can ever do when it turns to our guidance. We can, my guide, like if we're going house hunting because we've moved again, she is the one that will be like, you cannot go in. <laughs> do not even think about it. Where I, my personality would be like, I'm really curious what the house looks like. You know, I'm sure it won't be a big deal. And if she says, don't go in, I don't go in. Uh, you know, let's just say I have a free will and I can go in if I want to, but then maybe I'll come out with uh, like 20 ghosts attached to me. Like that's not helpful. That's not what she knows I need to now deal with. She wants, she knows I'm trying to look for a house and maybe after looking at houses, we want to go get something to eat. She knows that I want to have a good time and be effervescent, not sitting there trying to help the dead for the next hour and a half. So Number one tip is to develop that relationship with the guide. Number two is to practice with others. So there's a big paradox when it comes to personal guidance. And that paradox is that the more I worked with others, the better I was at reading myself. So when I ask the guides why the paradox, it's much like you really don't know what your hair looks like because it's pretty much on your back, right? On the top of your head, on your back. And you don't know what it looks like unless you're looking at a woman that has, a woman or man, whatever, that has similar hair than you. And then you're like, oh, okay, that's maybe what my own hair looks like. Or you have a mirror. So you don't necessarily know what you look like. I mean, you can have chocolate on your cheek and have no idea because you don't feel it until you look at it through a mirror or if somebody else tells you. So it's really interesting because the more I put myself out there before I even considered it a profession, I was just vulnerable enough to show up, get what I get and just be amazed by it. But the more I, I read for strangers and saw these birth guides, the more I desperately wanted to know my own. And when I saw how protective and how clear, I realized that was the same for me. I don't want to get lost. I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to get lost in a bunch of stories, but to sort of, I don't know. I want to tell a quick sort of analogy. When I had my daughter was sort of the first time I realized how precious I too was. Like I really couldn't get the concept of the preciousness of who I, I am as a being until I held my own baby because not, you know, you want the best for your baby. You want the best clothes to touch your skin. You want the best food you can get. You want the best sleep and you protect all of these pieces of this little tiny baby. And it was, it, you don't want people around her. They certainly can't even touch your baby if you don't like their energy. And Honestly, the boundaries that I have today is because my baby taught me boundaries 
And all she had to do was be born. And, and through the, my love and care and protection for her, was I able to build up some skills to do the same thing for myself and protect my own preciousness and raise my standards. <laughs> okay. So how do we work? How do we practice with others? You can in, you know, a lot of women go to lunch or have coffee or whatever, or a spouse or a kid or whomever's in your life. And they're maybe sharing a story about what they're going to do or what they did do. Just observe if you get an intuitive guidance around it. I have a lot of students that come to me because people want to go to coffee with them, i.e. they want kind of a free reading, yet nobody has any actual, like nobody's putting themselves out there as an actual legitimate psychic. They're just people people want to do coffee with to get guidance. But to me, in my eyes, they're psychic. So you would observe the ways you download or information or you have images that maybe your friend will later say turned out. Like if the friend is like, I think I'm going to go back to college. Maybe you feel like in your whole body that feels like the wrong thing to do right now, but maybe later, like maybe that could be the refinement, the addition. Um, maybe you don't say it. Maybe you do. Cause like, maybe it's not your business and your friend's just telling you what they are thinking and um, so, but you could go home and write that down. Like you could journal it and collect that evidence that today at two o'clock, um, my friend was telling me this, this was the information I got and be curious, like we shall see. And then maybe three months later, you're having coffee again and your friend tells you, you know what? I, I, I realize this isn't going to work out now, but I think I'll do that in like a two year plan. And then you go back to your evidence and you, you celebrate the guidance that you received two months ago when that was your initial hit. And so again, this can, you can literally just have this intention through the day and have plenty of things to work with. Most people have that much sensitivity where it, this does not have to be a big ornate deal. Just have the intention that I'm just going to check in to see what my guidance, what my feelings are around what other people say, I'm going to journal it and then I'm going to check back and see if I'm making any connections, um, a few months later or what have you. So just to put a fine tip on that, number two is to practice with others. So the more you see other people, the better you can see yourself. I don't know why it has to be so paradoxical. Maybe it's the grand plan to get us to need each other. <laughs> So I don't know, that kind of makes me, my heart happy to think of it. That's maybe just fundamentally why we understand ourselves by being around others perhaps, right? Yeah. Okay. And last but not least, we want to play the what if game. So we, we want to play the what if game. So if we're getting guidance on a certain thing, I just really want to say front loaded upfront we are talking to that birth guide. We are not talking to Santa Claus. So we have to be aware that yes, the guidance that we receive may not be what we want to hear. So we have to have a level of maturity around that. And, and so we play the what if game. So I guess I feel compelled to say not all guidance feels good. In fact, a lot of 
the, especially if you're in a healing or a transition or certain stages in lives, it's way harder to be in the presence of guidance because the guides will, I, I just casually say sometimes they send us right into hell to get into heaven. Because <sighs> there's some truth in that, you know, if I'm fairly stubborn. And so if I'm, there was, I don't remember what it was like 2013. I was having a really hard time in my marriage and I had a belief system. I didn't want to ever get divorced. And so I finally had to confront my belief system and be like, actually, I not only should I get divorced, but I probably have to. So I asked my guy, do I need to get a divorce? And she actually said, yes. So I trusted her at the time, you know, by then I certainly trusted her and I went through all of the physical things. You know, I got a therapist, I was going to get a lawyer. I was told my husband, we're moving, we're selling the family house. We're going to move into separate apartments. This is happening. And the, I was, I was like a child. I just couldn't believe this was happening. And I kept checking in, hoping the guidance would change. And at, you know, for the first month, it really didn't change. Like, yes, get a divorce. Okay. So in the presence of that, this is happening. Divorce is happening. It was like a light bulb went out off in my husband's head. And, and more for the first time, he took everything that I was actually saying seriously. And because it was upon him and because I took physical we, we did, we moved into an apartment. I started seeing a, a therapist weekly at the time. And that, I say scared him enough, but I, I just feel like it, it made it real for him. And we actually went through a tremendous amount of healing that we've never looked back from. I mean, we're still together. And I, I look back at my guide and I'm like, why the hell did you tell me I needed to divorce? And really it's because had I not take, I wouldn't have never taken those actions had I not think this was just, this was happening. So it was also me needing to know this is, I'm at a critical point. I cannot live the way I'd lived. Things needed to change. So she was right. I needed to take the action of going through a divorce to actually not get a divorce. So I'm not sharing that to scare you. I'm just, I want to I want to put on a fine point that sometimes guidance does lead us to transformation by telling us things that aren't quote unquote right in the end. So we just want to, we want to be open to the paradox of guidance and, and sometimes guides can tell us to do something to get us if they know us at all. (laughs) depending on how strong of a will we have, depending on how stubborn we can be, depending on our belief system. I don't want to get divorced. Like, so I'm not going to do anything ever. And then 30 years later, you're bitter and angry as hell. So in a simple way, like what if, so what if, what if I'm being guided to go to college? What if I'm being guided to lose weight? Not for superficial reasons, but because my, my precious heart requires it. So we, we, we can play with guidance. If what if, okay, you're going to ask the guide and the guide says, you know, move to Hawaii. And then you, you go to the, the, what if, what if this is true? And maybe you look at real estate, maybe you look at possibility and maybe you don't have to move to Hawaii, but maybe it it opened a curiosity in you, you did not have before. So we do want to be 
I always say we want to work with in the gray with guidance, i.e. guidance doesn't always have to be black and white. I like it when my guide is black and white with me. She is for the most part, but there is some gray there. There even to this day, especially at the beginning, there was more guidance of gray. Like it's both black and white because there, there were, I had to overcome my own limiting belief systems. And so for that, she put me in situations where the, it's possible this would work out and it's possible it wouldn't, uh, depending on my will, depending on what I chose. And then sometimes guides do test us. So with these three tips, it, your, your intuitive guidance system can refine. You talk to that guide, you practice with others to create evidence of how you get guidance is which clear are you using? And are you predictive? Are things coming true? Did you kind of know your friend shouldn't go to college this year, but maybe in a couple of years, and then they validated that through just an update later. And then number three, you're playing that what if game, like what if I need a divorce or what if it's time to go to college or what if I feel called to move to Hawaii and, and we just explore what that means. And it, it doesn't have to be black and white. Yes, yeah, sometimes it can be. And we do want to know the difference um, when those moments come up. So I hope that you have a lot of compassion for yourself as we are at the end of this podcast because, oh man, gu- guidance and intuition can be complex And it takes a real skilled person to explain this to us and a person that we had had to go through it just like you have to, we all have to go through this process of healing. And I feel like it's, it's a language that we learn to speak. Um, and some of us, it's kind of like I, I was telling a client the other day, it's like if you have to move to Spain, you better know how to speak Spanish. So some of us are, you're, you're, you're being called today to understand your intuitive gift and the, the patience you must put on yourself is that it just takes time, honey. And eventually you start speaking the language and eventually it starts to integrate. And then at some point people can't get you to, they cannot stop you from speaking Spanish because you speak it so naturally and so well. So that's the progression with intuition as well. It, it can be like mind bending as learning a language can be. And then you feel a little insecure doing it. That's supernatural as well. And then eventually you start to integrate it and you speak the language of intuition. And then finally it's integrated. And I, and I realize when, when everybody reaches out to me, they're, they are all, they're reaching out to me as Kate, but they're mainly reaching out to me as a medium. And when I know that then I kind of can't play dumb with people. Like sometimes I just want to be Kate. I don't want to always have to be on call, but sometimes people reach out. Like if they're wanting to talk to you about Spain and they know you speak Spanish, they're expecting you to speak Spanish. Do you know what I mean? So, so it's integrated and I, you, you kind of sometimes have to get me to not like, especially with my little family, my husband and my children, they don't always want me reading them. Like sometimes they just want to talk. <laughs> so I have to sort of put my intuition on a shelf and just kind of be like, Hey, I can just listen or I can just be, and I don't have to use 
my guidance in this moment. I can be relaxed and funny and silly. And just like the analogy, if you speak Spanish, you don't always have to speak Spanish. Um, if just because you learned the language doesn't mean you have to use it every second. Okay. I'm carrying on, but this subject just excites me and fascinates me. So I'm looking forward to number six in our series. Let me see what number six is. So I think it looks like number six will be accelerate your intuition. So I'm going to give you a couple tips on how to get that intuition up and running as quickly as possible. So I'll talk to you next week. If you're interested in finding out which is the strongest Claire in you, go to my website at katesaintclair.com and take the quiz, which Claire are you? Until next time, remember, it's your birthright to be guided and be great.